0: That music means it's one thing. It's time for Freightonomics. Welcome to the show this week. I'm Zach Strickland, Director of Freight Market Intelligence. Here with me, as usual, Lead Economist Anthony Smith. And today's show is going to be all about them equities. Yeah, we're going to, talk, we're going to connect that financial sector to the uh, to this, you know, the transportation and macroeconomic uh, world. All of it's connected, really, Anthony.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about this episode because. I get to kind of interview you a little bit. I think it's been some time since we were on this Freightonomics platform. I think the last time we were chatting, I went on a interest rate rant of sorts, potentially. Right. But we have a different type of rant. And we get to, like you said, talk about how it's all interconnected because this is Freightonomics. So, appreciate you all for tuning in. And if you see me looking down from time to time, I'm not being rude. I'm not going to random websites. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm watching the comments. I'm watching the video. So if you have any comments, any questions, you want to jump in on the conversation, feel free. We're here. If you're by chance watching at 12 Eastern time on this, that is February the 10th and we're actually live and it's not a past stream, but either way, (laughs) reach out.
0: You just reminded me of the day, Anthony. I had no idea it was (laughs) February 10th. (laughs) Uh, that's how it works now. But there's a ton of stuff going on right now in the freight market supply chain, which continues to be, of course, hot topic, uh, hot button issue. And and no other place. Let's start off our news uh section here today. Uh, this is this is getting so much attention. I've gotten so many questions about it and what it means. And you know, you've seen it on what the truck and on freightways now. Nate Tabak, our border <laughs> patrol up there in Canada has really done a great job of covering this stuff. But uh, the latest article here, Frustration Grows as Ambassador Bridge, Protest Disrupts Cross-Border Trucking Supply Chain. And Anthony, this is like this ongoing story. And we're really, you know, for me personally, it's I think it's hard, you know, if you're not there and you're not seeing things, you're relying on some of these reports. And of course, Nate does a great job. I've talked to him several times about his interactions with, you know, Freedom Convoy and some of the carriers in the space, you know, that are not in the convoy but they're operating and dealing with the fallout from it. It's really hard to discern exactly what level of impact is happening. You know, we have we have, we have so many reasons to mistrust information nowadays, and especially something like this that gets politicized. Uh, you know, we've heard Nazi flags, Confederate flags show up. You, at this point, you don't even know why. Like, what what person <laughs> is going to show up at one of these things with something like that if they're not there to kind of troll the environment? I would have to think.
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> when you look at this situation, it's definitely one of those where it's just like it gets hijacked. Someone is using this platform to promote whatever it is that they may be into. And to each their own. This is North America, <laughs> which is really kind of America and Canada's like U.S. Junior. No hate to Canada, but there's a lot of freedoms here. And that means you have your platform to do pretty much whatever you want. And so it's frustrating when there is a platform that is for a certain cause and all these other platforms try to make their way in like a virus and then take some of the spotlight off of what is really
0: actually happened. Yeah. And then the message here, the message of the Freedom Convoy, if you've been following uh, the articles, and of course, Dooner has done a great job with the dude on What the Truck, of actually interacting with these people and their message, which is vaccine mandates. Yeah. They don't want a mandated vaccine. A lot of these people are actually vaccinated. <laughs> it's not an anti-vaccine. That
1: that's might be the most Canadian thing <laughs> there. <laughs> I mean. Because Canadians known, of course, for universally university being very polite, but... They're not even, they're, they're not anti-vax. They just want the mm-hmm. opinion or the option right. to say yes or no instead of this mandate. And most of them are already vax, So it's just not, hey, you're just kind of infringing on our rights from their yeah. perspective. So this is a very polite thing, it, <laughs> it seems <laughs> like. Like, hey, no, I already like, have it, but I just like the option.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, and they, they have a right to do this. Now, what, what is different about this one is it looks like they are having a physical impact on the infrastructure as you know, if you look at the article in the lead image, it does look like they are physically blocking uh, the Ambassador Bridge with trucks. Uh, I don't know if that's actually, you know, again, well, I, I don't know if that's actually, the, <laughs> actually happening with that. Maybe it's just traffic of trucks trying to cross the border right there. Uh, but it says that it is, you know, the article does say that there is a potential problem here of the truck traffic uh, between our two countries goes across the ambassador bridge. So that's one fifth of all the truck volumes. So there is a potential here, especially if there's some sort of, you know, parking, you know, I I can only imagine it's along the side of the road. I mean, there's mentions of there's actually, they are breaking the law in some situations, but again, there's so much noise politically here. It's hard. If you're not there, it's hard to tell exactly what's going on. So I have an image here of some data, cause I love using data. I hate, you know, the whole feeling stuff <laughs> uh, in terms of representing what's going on. This is our outbound tender rejection index for Canadian freight. So, and, and I, I wanna point out something here that is happening. So in the green line there, that is the outbound tender rejection index for uh, United States. So this is the, you know, carriers are rejecting loads, electronic transmissions from shippers you know, about uh, 12.6% of the time, and this is a dual axis, so it's not an absolute uh, chart here, but 12.6% of the time in Canada, and the whole purpose of this chart is to show you they are moving in different directions. Canadian OTRI increasing, United States OTRI declining, and keep in mind that United States OTRI is much higher at 20.12%, but they're moving in opposite directions, and a lot of people are gonna say, capacity's tight in Canada all of a sudden. Well, this has been occurring since before all of this happened. If you look at this chart, you can see that Canadian tender rejection rates have been on the rise. Well, like starting in the summer, yeah. this trend line was beginning. And a little bit of this has to do with the fact we're, in, we're seeing some increasing long haul tender volumes, which are more difficult to cover. Uh, a lot of this freight across the border is very short haul day, day freight, 100 mile runs. Uh, that, you know, you can be home yeah. within a day.
1: And, and typically, what is the commodity? Are we looking at vehicles for the most part? Are we looking at you know, and they,
0: appliances? You know, obviously a lot of automotive uh, goes across the border yeah. here, especially in that area. You know, it's you know, Detroit's right there, uh, but Brampton, Ontario, huge uh, industrial sector for Canada, and we have a lot of facilities there. And they even comment, uh, the blockade poses a risk to supply chains for the auto industry because the bridge <laughs> is a key conduit for motor vehicles, components, and parts. Uh, and this, of course, delays production uh, on the automotive side. And that's from uh, Jen Psaki, uh, telling reporters. So it, it's verified. <laughs>
1: yeah. And the thing is, it's like there have been so many times where I feel like there have been, you know, this huge uproar in the trucker community. It happens from time to time. There are these Facebook groups. These drivers are angry, yeah, to put it lightly, and nothing really comes of it, right? It just kind of fizzles out like, hey, this is a time where we just stop everything in the U.S. It halts, it doesn't move without us and then Nothing happens. But this is one of those times where, yeah, something's happening and it's making a change. It's making an impact, too. Yeah,
0: we, and we actually saw uh, over Christmas, actually, uh, Detroit, uh, up in upstate Indiana, a lot of the automotive production centers, we saw disruptions, significant disruptions to capacity outside of weather events, mind you, which we just had recently, um, that did disrupt that area. And I, I can't apply it to the vaccine mandates yeah. or anything like that because it hadn't happened yet. Uh, but it is, you know, definitely a risk to those areas for sure. Um, definitely a story that continues to persist, uh, definitely something that you have to monitor if you're in the space, especially if you're hauling automotive parts or involved in the automotive sector. I think that's a good call out. So our next, uh, you know, segue, (laughs) we're going to start transitioning into, you know, that equities side of things. And then we're going to interweave it with the stories and some of these earnings reports because I like to cover earnings. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a finance guy. Tis the season. Yeah, tis the season for earnings, and uh, you know we just had several reports come out last week and this week, and I kind of want to interweave some of our overall discussion today with these earnings reports because I think that's what's that that's you know a lot of people listen to earnings and go oh they beat or didn't make their expectations. Mm -hmm. That's that's such the top end layer of what to take away from these calls. Like if you're not if you're looking at just beats or not. You know, not making some arbitrary analyst expectations. I mean, that's those are there for different reasons than taking value away from a company or value and valuable information away yeah. from these reports is what I try to do. Um, so the first one up here, SIA reports strong quarter with improved uh, yield. Stock soars and response. There you go. It says it all. Like that, that's the way that it should work. Mm-hmm. Is you, you report a strong earnings, better than ex- expected, your stock increases, fantastic news, right? Everybody's having that. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. So just because you're, you have a great, better than expected quarter doesn't always mean that your stock goes up.
1: Yeah, hmm. uh, I know previous versions of myself, when I wanted to pretend to be a day trader, <laughs> that I saw good news for some stocks and it went down. Yeah. And it was surprising and I learned viable expensive, but viable lessons that day.
0: Yeah. Just like we're talking about with the, the Canadian border stuff, you really have anybody that's willing to talk. My finance, my finance professor told me anybody that says doesn't know and everybody that knows doesn't say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you have to be really careful with some of the narrative around this because they have to be careful. Like this is their livelihood. They are responsible for a lot of uh, people's money and well-being, ours included, if you're invested in any kind of mutual fund or ETF, yeah. you have uh, an ongoing interest. So they need to be mindful of what they say. And there's no fault in that whatsoever coming from me. Uh, so some of the takeaways from Sia, you know, just the OR improvement itself is is important. 89 uh, to an 84%. So for every dollar they spend, they're making 15 cents. <laughs> operationally speaking, that doesn't include certain investments and securities and things like that. Uh, so they're doing well there. Uh, they did not handle any more shipments though. So they're more efficient with the number of shipments that they handled. They did not, they only increased 1.5% in shipment count overall. Um, tonnage went up a good bit. So this, Zach, yeah. if they haven't increased shipments and so is that just essentially
1: them, like I said, being more efficient, but really just taking, taking advantage of this, Inflated price
0: environment. Yeah. I mean, okay. part of it is definitely the their ability to increase their price. Gotcha. Uh, the general rate increases happen in the LTL sector. Uh, so, you know, they did have heavier shipments, so that will also contribute to higher revenue per shipment. Uh, you also want to watch out for efficiency disruption there because it's not always straightforward um, with LTL. Getting heavier weighted shipments doesn't always lead to better efficiency because you can disrupt... Your capacity. <laughs> yeah. if you have too big of a shipment, it throws off all the other shipments. You got to go buy it. And purchase transportation, a direct uh, result of that. Their purchase transportation expense uh, did go up uh, quite a bit. And so you got to really watch out for their cost side. Their revenue is going up, but their costs are inflating as well. And it's almost uh, proportionately, they're able to overcome that, at least for now. Mm-hmm. And that's the big takeaway. <laughs> at least for now, are these costs increasing going to sustain if revenue or some other form declines. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like where I'm, I'm getting to is like you said, you know,
1: it, they've gotten more efficient shipments. haven't really gone up all that much at all really, but revenue has, when I start thinking about, you know, this environment that we're in, it would seem as though that you would need to try to create more of a market share or expand your market share. Yep. while you're in this inflated environment because when it
0: does come down, you at least have expansion in, in place. Yeah, and that's what a lot of them do. They yeah. expand, they've invested, but there's just not a lot they can do right now. If you're, you know, the next one, we're going to go into Old Dominion, uh, but I want to pull up a chart real quick. Uh, the LTL rates versus truckload. This is what This is what we're dealing with. This is the environment we're in right now. So this is our contract rate index for LTL <laughs> on the top in blue. Uh, versus the band contract rate per mile initial report in orange. You see they're very related, (laughs) Anthony, but the LTL has inflated at a faster rate, which is exactly what you would expect uh, because this market, it costs more Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do the same amount of work. And and it's just, there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more touches going on in the LTL side. It costs you more. Anybody that ships LTL versus truckload knows it's, uh, you know, the truckload side is like consolidated. It's like going to Costco and Sam's, yeah. getting in bulk. <laughs> LTL is like buying incrementally and that's why it's more expensive. But the LTL side definitely seeing a dramatic cost side increase. Uh, but a lot of that BC RPM there helps drive that. You know what I'm saying? They're yeah. very connected, these two, two items, but LTL definitely has uh, plenty to haul at this point. And our next, uh, you know report earnings report old dominion these are these guys are the gold standard in the in the space for ltl uh just crushing it <laughs> i mean they they should be applauded for getting this well, I 73 would think or
1: that <laughs> when i look at that or number that there was a typo yeah <laughs> i would think that there's
0: a typo the, the, I, I don't want to understate this because yeah. ltl is so much more complex than truckload so to get operational efficiency to this level for this space is actually more impressive uh, because we don't see, I mean, Knight Swift has got their OR down now in the seventies, but for an LTL carrier to do this, they they improved it from a 76 in Q4 of last year to a 73. So they're, they're, they're making plenty of money, Anthony, (laughs) operationally speaking, and they're very focused on growth. I believe there was a story that came out that said they were, trying to lobby for people to sell them or approve at least some of these local governances to approve, uh, more buildings, uh, you know, for them to expand their operation and they're having a lot of trouble with that. So they build up their cash reserves. Uh, and that's another thing that you want to read into these is what's their cash pile looking like, because they don't want to hold too much cash. Yeah. And almost every single one, of these trucking companies have built up increasing cash reserves over the last bit and that is not something you want a lot of because it's stagnant it's, yeah it, when we're talking about inflation anthony you know <laughs> our record inflation when you have cash it loses value as you hold on to day it. by day month <laughs> by month yeah you know this yeah so if there's too much cash on the hand it's not working for them um and, and they're losing traction
1: this was, of course, put together by Todd Maiden. and did a great job, but one of the opening lines in this article that just it, it blows my mind. It says the company now expects its operating ratio to improve to 70% over time, potentially dropping or dipping into the 60s. Yeah.
0: So that's that's that's, that's railroad OR. Yeah. You don't and that's the only thing they do. They don't look at market share expansion on the rails that much. They're because their their infrastructure is pretty stacked. Pretty fixed, yeah. So they look at that OR reduction, and you know you can't ask for anything else out of uh, Old Dominion here. So you've gotten two good earnings reports. <laughs> We've got one that's not the best. Oh boy. And it's down the street. So oh <laughs> I personally have worked at U.S. Express in my career, just full disclosure there. We obviously know lots of people that have done this and currently work there, uh, but their earnings report, not super great. Mm. Uh, they had a 102 OR, uh, but, they, it looks like if you read through this there's some there's some changes <laughs> they went through some transitional stuff that they're going through they got that you know they had some stuff in the kitchen they had to clean out okay. and one of the things this variant that uh, you can see the headline here variant and this is simply uh, you know i want to say it's kind of a marketing way of saying we're optim we're working with technology to optimize our fleet our you know and how we manage our operation and one of the things that happened in December, they let go, uh, they fired the, the person responsible for this. Uh, so there's obviously some turbulence internally going yeah. on right here. The good news, if you read through it, is that Eric Fuller, the CEO, says that since they've made this change, they've actually improved some of these metrics. So big takeaways here, reading through this, their revenue per uh, tractor per week went down Sequentially uh, throughout the last few quarters. So it dropped from 38.61 last year to 36.10. Still outperforming the legacy uh, side of things, but there's obviously something flawed with how they are running this. That sounds like a lot of empty miles, maybe not the optimization that they're looking for here. But since they said in January, that's gone up from 36.10 to $4,100 revenue per track. So they've made some changes here. It sounds like they're they're on at least the right track. Uh, the the scary thing here is, and he even admits that maybe since the change, variance key metrics have improved, including revenue per tractor per week. Um, and he says they probably should have caught this sooner. Yeah. So hot market, you know, you, you think you're going to get away with uh, a lot of ills, which does happen, but. They may have caught this one a little late in the cycle. We'll see. It sounds like they've got it corrected at the moment.
1: Yeah, so like you said, it sounds like they really, like you, they pinpointed, you can really gleam some insights from these releases. I think Eric Fuller did a good job at really yeah. addressing what some of the issues were. It, it's it's hard because you see the, this OR and you mm-hmm. see the current environment that you're in and it's just like, how are we not doing better? Especially as we talk about mm-hmm. some of these other ORs during this um, reporting season. But really, when I started of think about it, This is the time to really make those costly mistakes because you would hate to go through something like this when times are bad in this industry. And times are pretty good right now, as you can see from some of these other companies. But imagine going through this when we're in a freight recession. It's going to hurt that much more. So uh, Mm. we have a little bit more wiggle room and a little bit more flexibility to make some of these mistakes if you are Operating at a company
0: like that, yeah, yeah, and of course the, the the stock did take a hit there, and this is where we really segue into the financial side of things so yeah. stock prices they go up, they go down, and they move cyclically, just like the economy does <laughs> takeaways from these stock prices, everybody thinks that they can you know if you were going to go look at you know buying and selling stock and trying to make money like you your day trader. <laughs> back situation. in those days you need to think that you have more information so if i think i have more information than you and you're selling us express and i'm buying us express at this point that's a lot of what happens is yeah. a lot of information disconnection <laughs> is what drives a lot of these prices it doesn't necessarily mean the company's going to do better or worse because something you don't know about me is that my investment horizon is 3 months mm. so i'm just looking for a quick hit your investment horizon is hold it for a year yeah and this is the type of information that moves those stocks and a lot of the people that do this are, of course hedge fund managers right. <laughs> and that's what drives this stuff so it's, it's hard to glean. I know when we first started the pandemic, the stock market went haywire yeah it went way down and it went way up <laughs> uh, and that is just simple speculation on the investment part and I think there's that's not a, a lot you can do great
1: point there, that horizon, because mm-hmm. it's like, hey, I mean, it's, there's some, some indexes that are meant to be traded short term mm-hmm. because they're really kind of built up and, and you know, there's some exponential movements and it kind of exaggerates the market movements. But really, if I'm just in this for the week or maybe a few days or a month or so, but you're just like, no, this is, yeah, I'm in here for a couple of years here. So
0: to that point, what if these hedge fund managers are wanting a nine month return, mm-hmm. trying to get in and get out, whereas somebody else is looking for a 15 month return. We don't know. And so when these companies are, they're held accountable to yeah. these stocks, and this is a flaw sort of, of this system. So this is why the stock market disconnection, but it influences the shorter the time horizon that looks like these, the investment cycles are, mm-hmm. the more near term, the focus of the executive management team and these transportation mm-hmm. companies. So it, do, it goes beyond transportation, it goes into the, uh, you know, the Cokes and the big, you know, all these big Walmarts, Amazons of the world, when they see their stock move a certain direction, they now know what the time horizon is that they need to make a change. Normally, when it goes down, it means short term. <laughs> yeah, short term situations require short term actions. And that means you're going to see quick hit movements. Um, And that influences transportation because they could invest money really quickly in some of these long-term things, but they decide to deviate that cash investment to something that's a little bit closer in near term. So in the long run, capital expenditures suffer. In the near term, you get a quick hit to their bottom line. (laughs) And it's
1: almost like if I were to like really put this in an instance that it really doesn't belong in. So thinking about like working out potentially. If I'm looking at it as like a diet or some sort of diet or plan like that it's like you need to be able to work out without getting sore Mm -hmm. and you need to have a diet that's pleasing (laughs) to everyone else so it's just like how can you work out not get sore eat everything have it all still be like you know great to the palate or whatever Because when you look at some of these investors, when you look at some of the shareholders, when you look at some of the board members, Mm -hmm. they don't want the soreness. They don't want their vegetables. They don't want any of the hurt. They just want, all right, this is the gold body get there. This is a strength goal. And you make a great
0: point because you've got equity investment there that's not necessarily through the same uh, channel as the stock market investment. Uh, And they all have different expectations. And it's very difficult for these companies to manage. And through that, you get a lot of variation in their strategy. Um, Point being here is that you really have to be careful (laughs) when you're looking at some of these strategies because stock market, not only is it you know, dependent on the aggregate time horizon, but the players in it are also, uh, you know, slaved to that time horizon expectation for the return on investment from the people they take their money from. So,
1: and another big thing that I think, of course, we're, we're about to end the show here,
0: you have to create something
1: of value. Yeah, that's a great point that you bring up from time to time. It's like, what is being created Eventually,
0: here? Eventually, payment comes due, you have to create something. Uh, you have to do something in the long term. It doesn't have to be in your lifetime. Yeah, which is scary aspect. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of these companies can kick the can. But thank you so much for watching. Yeah. Or look we'll back.
1: <laughs> of course, if you haven't registered already, register for Global Supply Chain Week, which All is going to start off on Monday, February 14th, going throughout the entire week find me and Zach later on in the month, of course, with our Sonar monthly market updates as well. If you are a Sonar member, so check that out. We'll be back with more Freight waves content in just a few short moments. Drink more water. See you next time. <laughs>